Welcome back to another episode of Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. I'm your host, Darren Fatman McDuffie, and this is an on-demand episode. Normally, we do the show live, but we have an on-demand episode uh, tonight or this evening, and you can listen to it at any time. Before we get into the interview, just wanted to make a quick few announcements. As always, this uh, podcast has been brought to you by I'mTheFatMan.com. Make sure you go to the podcast and also... We skipped the week last week with the interviewing and with the podcast, but please go back in the archives and check out the podcast we did the week before last, A Case Against Fluoride with Dr. Paul Conant. Very good show. And um, in that show, we kind of pieced everything together, the atomic bomb, fluoride, uh, just a bunch of different things that you may not think that have anything to do with each other, have something to do with each other when it comes to fluoride. So make sure you go in the archives and check that show out. And you can check that show out on Blog Talk Radio or get it from Stitcher or iTunes as all the shows from Fat Man Radio. So today we have back, back really soon. I think we interviewed uh, Dr. Kayla T. Daniel maybe a month or two ago on uh, her soy, the whole soy story, and I didn't expect to have her back on so soon, but um, something piqued my interest and I wanted to get her on to talk about it, and it is the truth about fermented cod liver oil. And before I get into getting her on, let me just talk about her bio or give you her bio. Dr. Kelly T. Daniel earned her Ph.D. in nutritional sciences and anti-aging therapies from the Union Institute and University in Cincinnati and is certified as a clinical nutritionist by the Clinical Nutrition Certification Board of the International and American Association of Clinical Nutritionists in Dallas. She is also a member of the board of directors of the Farm to Consumer Legal Defense Fund and received the Weston A. Prices Foundation Integrity and Science Award in 2005. And she's also just started a new foundation called the Foundation for Nutritional Wisdom, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Dr. Daniels is co-author with Sally Fallon Morrill of the best-selling nourishing broth and old-fashioned remedy from a modern world and author of the whole soy, whole soy story, which I just uh, talked about, <coughs> the dark side of Americans' favorite health food. Her books have been Endorsed by leading health experts, including Larry Dossi, Joseph Mercola, J.J. Virgin, Doris Rapp, who I had on the show as well, Jonathan Wright, and many others. Welcome back to the show, Dr. Kayla T. Daniel. How are you? I'm great. Thank you, Darren. Thank you. Usually I can't read on the air, but I bumbled my way through that one, and I'm very proud of myself for, for doing that. And um, just off the top uh, in your bio, you mentioned that you started a new foundation called a new um, What's it called again? Foundation for Nutritional Wisdom. Why did you start that um, foundation? Yes, Dr. Ron Schmidt, David Gumpert, the food freedom fighter and journalist, and I, um, we've decided to form a new foundation, the Foundation for Nutritional Wisdom, where we'll be bringing together the paleo, primal, and Western Price communities. And we wanted a more democratic, um, bottoms-up foundation where all participants would would have a voice and where differences of opinion could be accepted. Hmm. That's great because I know um, I've always been kind of on the outside looking in and it seems like the paleo community and the Western A. Price community has kind of butt heads and so I'm glad to hear that you um, started that foundation and should be some good things coming from that. Um, your recent 
project, I would say, um, kind of piqued my interest. I was just thumbing through Facebook um, one day and saw that you had this report on um, fermented cod liver oil. And I had used the product before as a way to help testosterone levels. I'd heard somewhere that it would help your testosterone levels and the actual product that we're going to be discussing was a product that I used simply because it was advised by the Weston A. Price uh, Foundation. But um, my question, my first question is, is what piqued your interest in looking more into the fermented cod liver oil? Yes, I became interested because it, it's widely uh, reputed to be a sacred food, a miracle food, uh, a traditional food uh, that we should all be taking. And yet I was hearing many bad things about it. I was hearing about people suffering from many health problems, and that would range from things like burning the throat as they took it to a lot of rashes and hives, and more recently many, many stories about people developing atrial fibrillation and heart palpitations, and Dr. Ron Schmid's story of taking high doses leading not just to the atrial fibrillations, but to advanced heart failure and fortunately he has recovered from that and at this point he realizes that a good part of his problem was because of this fermented cod liver oil. Yeah and reading your report I remember at the end of the report that and this came as a surprise to me because since I've been in nutrition I've heard Weston A. Price's name and I've kind of associated Weston A. Price with cod, cod liver oil. But Weston A. Price, from your report, I understand that he never actually recommended fermented cod liver oil. Can you talk about that? He never, ever recommended fermented cod liver oil. And in fact, he only used the word fermentation twice, and it had to do with poi and uh, red wine. Mm -hmm. So the idea that fermented cod liver oil uh, was, was a traditional sacred product that Weston Price endorsed is entirely false, and that's based on all of the archives and people going through them very, very carefully at the Price Pottinger Nutrition Foundation. Dr. Price also warned about the dangers of any cod liver oil and one of the biggest problems he saw had to do with rancidity. And during his era, many cod liver oils were in fact rancid. And since then, modern processing methods have allowed most of the oils on the market to, to be not rancid. But the fermented cod liver oil, the way it's produced, they're purposely letting it go rancid, or, or so it would seem. Uh, they don't use the word rancid. They use words like we're pre-digesting or we're fermenting. But uh, it's, it's a method that the lab tests show is leading to advanced states of rancidity. Now, he did recommend for cod liver oil that it be activated. Explain to us explain to me in the audience here what activation actually means. Yes, he recommended taking a fresh cod liver oil that was not rancid to begin with and putting it on a, on a plate and taking it out into the sun for just a couple minutes and stirring it gently. Now we're talking minutes, maybe 15 minutes tops and we're not talking about fermenting it out in a solar facility for months at a time. That's a very, very different situation. Dr. Weston Price never, ever recommended anything like that. 
Yeah, and um, when it comes to the cod liver oil, any cod liver oil, what's the best one con for consumption? And I'm actually talking about color because there were a lot of things in your report that I didn't even know, and it kind of enlightened me um, that uh, cod liver oil should be a certain color. And is the fermented cod liver oil um, that color that, we, that we're actually talking about? A good fresh oil that has not started to go rancid will be will be light colored. It will be clear, it will be golden, it will not be one of the dark browns. And both the historical literature and the laboratory testing when they talk about color, uh, the brown is not desirable. And when an oil has become too rancid and too brown, it was actually used uh, in Norway with iron oxide for paint. You'd paint your houses with this stuff. Yeah, that's that's crazy because when I went across that in a report, I was like, wow. And I remember taking, I actually used this product myself and it was the one, I believe it was the one that was had chocolate in it, the uh, fermented cod liver oil that had chocolate in it. But one thing I do remember about that experience was that even if I took it with another liquid, it would the taste would stay in my mouth pretty much all day. And I got used to the taste, but can taste at some time, at some point kind of alert you that it is rancid just, just by the taste alone? Well, Mother Nature gave us taste uh, for, for reasons of safety as well as for enjoyment. And we are naturally alerted to something being rancid and it being foul and not good for us. Now, the typical kind of rancidity that people are familiar with would be something that's uh, newly rancid. Now, this uh, fermented cod liver oil is actually something that has gone well beyond the initial states of rancidity. It has moved into advanced rancidity. So uh, some people say it doesn't smell or taste rancid to them, but they're thinking of rancid as being something in their kitchen that's been left around too long. But that would be recent rancidity as opposed to long term. Mm -hmm. Is that comparable to, um, I, I know that people say a lot of the oils, the corn oils, the, the polyunsaturated oils that we're using are rancid when they're on the shelf. Is this a step further out being rancid? And what, I, I'm giving you a loaded question here, what are the health risks to consuming something that, that are rancid, a product? The, the modern oil industry they do everything they can possibly do so that when the oil is manufactured, it comes out and it gets bottled in a state as fresh as possible. And they'll typically add some antioxidants in order to keep it preserved as fully as possible. And modern vegetable oils also undergo various processes to slow down uh, ran any, any rancidity and slow down that whole process. Now, it can be argued that many of them are actually rancid before they're, they're bottled and before they're deodorized, etc. You just don't know that. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely beware of most supermarket, most supermarket vegetable oils, for example. Yeah. Now, with, with a fresh cod liver oil, if it's properly made, it will have a very mild fishy fishy flavor and if you don't use it up and if you don't refrigerate it properly, it will start to go rancid. It's supposed to go rancid. Uh, there's that old idea, the idea that um, 
uh, if it won't go bad, don't eat it. If it will go bad, eat it before it does. And I would say that absolutely applies to, to oils, including cod liver oil. Uh, it, it basically, it's going to go rancid. You've got to catch it before it does. What is the danger of consuming, let's say, a rancid cod liver oil? Are there any health detriments to that? Be the same risks as any any rancid oil. Uh, polyunsaturated oils easily become rancid, and that's going to affect every single cell in your body. It's going to affect your reproductive health. It's going to affect your weight, your brain function. Uh, I could go on and on. Uh, rancid oils have been linked to to cancer, to heart disease, uh, any any ailment that can befall you. Rancid oils are part of it. Yeah, you mentioned Dr. Dr. Ron. So is that the Dr. Ron who makes the Dr. Ron supplements? Yes, yes. Okay, okay, great. And he had heart disease from consuming the fermented cod liver oil? He has made that connection. Hmm. Now, he was taking a high dose of cod liver oil for many years, and until this fermented product came on the market, he was taking a good, clean uh, cod liver oil from Norway. And he was taking pretty high doses of that. Uh, and he was, he, was, uh, he was recovering from Lyme disease. He had some health challenges, and he considered that cod liver oil an important part of his protocol. And he did recover fully from Lyme disease. And then in 2006, when Green Pasture converted from, from selling a very high-quality cod liver oil from Norway to the so-called fermented cod liver oil that they were manufacturing themselves, Dr. Ron joined many people who switched over, and he started taking that. And admittedly, he was also taking overly high doses. But the point I want to make here is that many of us were encouraged to take high doses. Mm -hmm. Sally Fallon Morell told me personally, she said, Sal, uh, she said, Kayla, women like you and me need cod liver oil. We need three tablespoons a day. And that was to help us fulfill our mission in the, in the world, uh, to, to live our purpose with high energy and good health. So many, many of us were told to take several tablespoons of this every single day. Now, the bottle was recommending less, and more recently on the Weston Price website, more like a half teaspoon or a teaspoon a day. But many of those old articles and the old recommendations were still circulating until recently, and some of them still are circulating. And as Dr. Ron's story tells us, there are definitely risks to, to a very high dose. Yeah, and, and mentioning a very high dose, what would be an adequate dose if you were still someone still out there listening and they, they want to take cod liver oil, not necessarily what the brand that we're speaking of, but if they are wanting to take cod liver oil, what's an acceptable dose, an acceptable safe dose? Well, I personally would not recommend any dose at all of the green pasture fermented cod liver oil. And I say that based on the laboratory work I had done at leading marine oils laboratories around the world. Mm -hmm. Now, in terms of some of the other products on the market, which are not fermented, which are 
which are manufactured with care to make sure that they're they're not rancid and where the manufacturers take pride in in not selling rancid oils whatever's on the bottle and you don't need a lot of it and if you're thinking you've got to take cod liver oil, Weston Price did not actually recommend that. Uh, he didn't feel people needed to take cod liver oil every single day through their lives. He was recommending it more as a short-term solution for malnourished children. And we don't need cod liver oil if we're including liver in our diet and we're including uh, vitamin A, D, and K2 rich foods. And some of those would include things like a really golden ghee, for example, high in vitamin K2. And uh, many, many vitamin D rich foods and vitamin A rich foods. And the so-called fermented cod liver oil from green pasture actually tests as very low in vitamin D. And one of the things that had alerted me from the beginning about the problem with it or the potential problem was I was seeing a lot of clients who had been taking this for years and their vitamin D levels were, were totally pathetic. They were very, very low. They were clinically low and they were causing a whole lot of, whole lot of health problems. Yeah. The product does seem to have moderate levels of vitamin A, but nothing like the extremely high levels that have been promised. Yeah, I had you mentioned Dr. Michael Hollick in your report. I had Dr. Hollick on the show and I think in the the uh, quote that you used from him, he said that he never has never seen vitamin D in cod liver oil. Is that is, is am I correct when I'm saying uh, he, that? He'd never seen vitamin D two. D two. One of the very strange things about the green pasture product is it's been advertised as having extremely high levels of vitamin D two. And Dr. Hollick had never seen that, nor have any of the other leading marine oil scientists at the laboratories around the world. They've never seen it. And yet, uh, Sally Fallon Morell and uh, David Wetzel of Green Pasture keep talking about high levels of vitamin D2. But isn't D3 the one that, because um, I know for a fact when I had Dr. Hollick on the show, he recommended D3. So isn't D3 the one that we can use readily in the body? And why is that? Why are they advocating D2 in the fermented cod liver oil? I can't imagine why they've been recommending D2 because most of the literature on D2 suggests it's not what we truly want and need and benefit from. Uh, D3 is what we're going to get in most of the cod liver oils on the market and is what we're going to get if we're taking supplements to increase the level of, D, of vitamin D in the body. Before we even get into discussing the green pastures for men and cod liver oil, this is something that I learned. I came from the pharmaceutical industry, and one of the things that I learned is that nothing is what it seems. And, you know, I would go in to speak with doctors and see doctors and have my study, and then there would be the doctor would be like, hey, Darren, you know, I just had another rep coming here with the same, selling your same type of product, saying that their, their um, product was the best. So my question is to you is, you did this on your own. What do you, do you have anything to gain from uh, performing these studies? Is there any financial gain, anything to gain from just performing these studies? The only thing I gained from it is I can sleep well nights knowing that I did what, what needed to be done and I spoke up. 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have been concerned about these products for a long time, and no one has dared speak up. And, and I decided to look into them. I decided to investigate. I first tried to work in-house at the Western A. Price Foundation, and I was basically told that, that the work was unnecessary, and I should talk to David Wetzel, and he would straighten my head out on this issue, and I could be educated properly by him and be assured of the safety. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I talked to him many, many times at many conferences, and I'd never gotten straight answers to any of my questions. And as I learned, many other people have not either. And the questions would have to do with his process, how he, how he actually ferments a cod liver oil, and many, many other questions. And we've never felt we got straight answers that made sense. So I decided it was time for a full-fledged investigation. Uh, I work with the top marine oils laboratories in the world, uh, five of them. And um, besides proving that the product was rancid and putrid and low in vitamin D and A and the fat-soluble vitamins, I found out the real shocker that it's not even from cod. DNA (laughs) testing of the liver shows pollock. So cod livers are expensive. Pollock livers are practically given away. Um, so we don't even have an honest product in terms of the labeling. Yeah, and I wanted to get get into that because when it says fermented cod liver oil, I always get, when I think of anything fermented, I think of uh, sauerkraut, kimchi, uh, beer, things like that. But can you truly have a fermented cod liver oil based upon what you know now? Well, they point out that it's not the oil that they're fermenting because, of course, you cannot ferment oil. Mm -hmm. It just goes rancid. But they say they're fermenting the livers, and they keep talking about how there's enough glycogen in the livers to ferment, but cod livers are only 1% or 2% uh, glycogen. So there's not enough sugar in there to keep a ferment going, even if you can get a ferment started. But he's apparently not adding other sugars or carbohydrates, which is what you need to actually keep a ferment going. And the pH of his product is not high enough, uh, is not, excuse me, not low enough. It's not acidic to uh, preserve. So uh, if ever he has a ferment going, uh, it's not preserving the product and the laboratory testing does show it's not fermented, it's rancid. Yeah. What was, you say you, you mentioned that you did five labs, you used five labs. What was your rationale behind using five labs and not just using one lab? I picked the best labs for each uh, specific question I had. For example, one lab could do the DNA testing. Um, another lab was the best for the fat-soluble vitamins. Another I wanted to, to test things like pesticide residue, which actually was pretty low in his product. Um, and, and so it went. You know, I had a lot of questions I wanted answered, and I tried my best to find the best labs for each specific question to get answers. And it's funny because when you pointed out in your report that you were using a lot of different labs and then you said that uh, Witzel Green Pastures, they would use only one lab and this one lab had their own testing process. Can you kind of explain that? 
They've actually used several laboratories, uh, but they were testing the fat-soluble vitamins at a laboratory in California known as UBE Laboratories. Mm -hmm. And this particular laboratory has been coming up with extremely high levels of vitamin A, D, and K, uh, not only in uh, the green pasture cod liver oil product, but in, in say, uh, lard from pastured pigs and butter and certain other products. And the levels are not just what you'd expect higher from pastured pigs as opposed to factory farm pigs. I'm talking preposterously higher. It makes no sense how much higher. And uh, none of the experts I've talked to felt they could be accurate results. And several that I talked to from the USDA were actually able to identify what they thought was the problem in the laboratory's processing. So uh, they were getting levels that were extremely high and, you know, promoting the whole myth of the fermented cod liver oil, giving us high, high levels of these fat-soluble vitamins. But no other laboratory comes up with anything close. And the fact is you would not want really high levels of vitamin A and D because they can be toxic. So many people today are actually deficient in A and D because of the modern diet and other factors, but you can use excessive levels of them. You would not want those high, high levels. I'm going to ask you a personal question, and um, this is something that's always kind of bothered me uh, coming, uh, you know, I explained I came from the pharma industry, and one of the things that I saw was it was very impossible to get a lab to be impartial when they have a client, a corporate client, coming to them with business, saying, hey, we want you to test our, test our product. So to me, there's some kind of uh, favor in that where the lab is going to do all they can to test the product especially well because they know that they want repeat business. Do you think that that had anything to do with what went on with uh, the green pastures and the, um, the fermented cod liver oil? I, I don't know. I don't have any evidence for that. And what I did find in, in a couple cases, I sent samples to one of the laboratories that Green Pasture used just to see if my samples got similar results to his samples, and they all came out the same. So one of the things I report in, in, um, in Hook, Line, and Stinker, which is the report on the, the whole investigation I did, I, I reported that, that there was no evidence whatsoever that, for example, he'd submitted, say, fraudulent samples, you know, say, special ones from his own production or perhaps a competitor's product. Uh, it looked like his results were very, very similar to what I got. So uh, I've got no reason to make any claims against the, uh, the products he submitted. And um, no reason to think that the laboratory was favoring him in any way, none, none whatsoever. You mentioned in the report also that um, you mentioned several things like the asset value and seven, several other things that were used to as or, or used to to prove rancidity, but you had a tough time uh, actually proving rancidity uh, in the beginning. What actually kind of made that uh, gave you proof that the product was actually rancid. 
most of the labs are set up to look at early stage rancidity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where they get their business. The companies are doing everything they can to, to uh, produce a very clean, fresh product and bottle it that way. And they want to know early on if there's any problem, catch the problem and fix it. So instead, we've got a product that's been supposedly fermenting for six months or so in a vat. So it's uh, not showing early stages of rancidity, but what would be advanced rancidity. In other words, it's actually, it seems to be rancid before it's even bottled. And there's actually a a video uh, in which David Wetzel talks about how he measured peroxide levels of his product at several stages while it was still in the vat. And in fact, it did peak and go down. So that was very, very interesting. Has he, has he ever come about and say what his actual process, process was for uh, the fermented cod liver oil, for producing it? No, he's never, he's never revealed that. And he does invite people to come and take a look. But people go, you know, and they stick their heads in his vats and so forth. But nobody comes out of it actually knowing, knowing what's being done. So that's, that's still top secret. Yeah, and you mentioned that it wasn't even cod that he's using. He's, he's using something called Pollock. And um, I think you found that out, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, by um, just looking at the EPA to DHA ratio. Can you explain what that should be in the cod versus what you came up with? Yes, that was my first clue because the EPA and DHA levels and ratio will vary from one fish liver oil to another. And um, it will also vary, say, between a Pacific cod and a North Atlantic cod, and it will vary with pollock, it will vary with um, sardines or salmon or whatever. And it's one way that, that you can detect that, that there's a problem, that you don't have what you think you have. So some of the first things I noticed was the figures he himself had on his website did not look like North Atlantic cod. And yet many of us thought he was using North Atlantic cod. It was called cod liver oil. One of his flavors was Oslo orange. And he talked about the Arctic. He talked about the Vikings. So that was the impression it was coming from from the North Atlantic. And of course, he was calling it cod. But the EPA and DHA ratios were not a match. And at first we thought maybe it was Pacific Cod, but that wasn't quite a match either. And kept thinking about what might be some possibilities there and also considering things like the vitamin A levels, vitamin D levels, because these will also vary from species to species, but also according to the climate, to the, to the weather conditions, to the age of the fish, whether it's spawning or not, there's many, many factors that change these things. So it's not as simple as you might think. But anyway, because none of these things matched up with, with a North Atlantic cod, got to wondering what he was actually using. And um, you can't do DNA testing with an oil because you have to have enough protein to do DNA testing. So wondering what, what to do, thinking how can I get my hands on a liver, and then it just, bingo, realized he sells a cattle lick product that is using the livers, the spent livers from his manufacturing process. 
So he very clearly says on his website that the livers in the catalytic product are coming directly from his oil. So got some catalytic products, sent a sample into a laboratory, had DNA testing on that. The result, 100% Alaskan Pollock. Not even even hard. <laughs> um, let's talk about the because I know the product that I had it had the uh, I guess it's called the butter oil in that um, how is that where did he get that from you, you mentioned specifically that he might have been getting it from a specific place yes he his advertisements and his website all talk about how it's coming from the um pastured cows in the sun of Nebraska or the Great Plains of the Midwest, exclusively from the Midwest and so on. But he's getting at least some of his butter from Argentina. So that's not necessarily uh, a bad butter, but there is a problem with, with issues of honesty and mislabeling. And uh, also did test his butter oil and it also tests rancid. Well, and that's from because it's actually sitting around just like um, the uh, the ferment delivers as well. That's what some people who are very familiar with his operation say, sitting around in canisters in the hot sun, mm -hmm. sometimes for weeks at a time. And people who taste the product have, have felt uh, it's it's not fresh, that something's off, and the off flavor is a key that, that rancidity is present. And, of course, he says that's being cultured and that's traditional as well. But we tested and rancidity is what came up. Yeah. My, my last question for you is um, about just allergies. There's a lot of people out there who are now coming up with different kind of uh, food allergies and allergies of, of all kinds. But um, you mentioned specifically in the report that um, – and. It's always crazy how you can pronounce scientific terms, so I may be pronouncing it wrong, but amines or amines? Um, uh, yes, the biogenic amines are, mm -hmm. are something many people are reacting to, and they're also responsible for some of the, the more putrid flavors that some people report. And uh, tyramine is quite high in that product. Now, it will vary from batch to batch. Um, one of the things he always says about his uh, natural product is you don't have consistency. He talks about consistency being industrial and supposedly evil. But uh, some of his products seem to be more rancid than others. The color changes, the taste changes. Yeah, um, it, it's... it's crazy because these people have allergies they can have actually severe reactions um, from a lot of this stuff and if it's not labeled properly then it becomes a big problem um, I want to personally thank you for just protecting consumer dollars because I know I invested in this product and I think this like fifty sixty dollars for a bottle and I thought that I was getting a really high quality product and it was just the about a week ago before I saw your report that I was like oh I need to get some more cod liver oil but but seeing your report and reading it made me kind of think again that I don't want to invest any more money in this product just simply because it's being mislabeled and you don't know actually what you're getting. So I really wanted to thank you for that. The uh, report itself is very well written. It's very documented. So for all my nerds out there who need <laughs> who need uh 
proof who need to go and see studies and all this stuff she has the end notes at the end of the chapters and you can get this off your uh, your website what's your website address dr kayla uh, it's drkaylaDaniel.com, and the free report, if you look on the right-hand side, there it is, Hook, Line, and Stinker, The Truth About Fermented Cod Liver Oil. I love that title, too. <laughs> I love creative titles. Thank well, you. Thank you so much. And for those people out there who are investing in cod liver oil, I would uh, really recommend that you go to her website and download the report and read it. It's not a long report. Um, and she also has the the lab, the studies at the end where you can actually look at the uh, the study. So uh, very good to invest your time and not invest your money in a product that's actually being mislabeled. So thank you, Dr. Kayla T. Daniel. Thank you.